live from outside the gates of the Skywalker Ranch and brought to you by Cape Wind, Energy for Life. I'm Delmon. And I'm Malicious. And this is EQ2 Talk. This is episode number 55, and we're recording on November 17th, 2012. And, Allie, why don't we have theme music yet? Well, I was almost blown away by a nor'easter. Well, that's great uh, to hear, but we have a very special guest this week with us. Uh, Joining us this week is Holly Windstalker-Longdale, the producer for EverQuest 2. Welcome, Holly. Good afternoon, guys. So, Holly, you have uh, the special distinction. You're our, our first repeat guest on oh, Eat to Talk. You're kidding. No. I'm so flattered and honored. You're the first one who's ever been willing to come back. <laughs> <laughs> it is my pleasure. I had such a great time the first time. Uh, so this was your past fanfare. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, SOE shame. Live. Shame on you. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> as, as producer. Uh, yes. So what was the experience like for you? To be honest, it was when it was really invigorating um, meeting. I met you obviously in person, um, but to meet all the players who it, it really is invigorating to meet the players who really love and are passionate about the game. Uh, in fact, um, most of our, our team, especially the design team, did go. Um, we had a, a large number of folks, almost uh, almost uh, twenty, I believe, from our team and associated with our team. So. Um, it was really incredible. Everyone was really invigorating because you feel you really understand that you're making a game uh, that people spend their free time playing. Um, so it was really great from that perspective. And the keynote, um, I hadn't done a keynote in that large for that large of an audience before. Uh, and to have a captive audience that was uh, a lot of really good feedback. Um, I'm sure you can imagine you always want to be sure that you're giving out the right message and, and letting them know what uh, or basically saying what um, they want to hear. Um, and the feedback was so so great and everyone was so gracious that um, we all came back uh, really invigorated. Morale, um, I would say, is at an all-time high on the team. And they, they really came back and got to work and poured even more extra time into the game for the expansion. And we changed a lot of things, too, I should add, uh, based on the feedback we got from the players at SOE Live. Uh, flying mounts. Yes. Hide them. <laughs> Yes, it's those two types of critical changes are what we ended up doing when we got back. Were there any surprises that you had while you were there? On as yes, Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to delicately say this. Um, You know, quite often our our the most frequent feedback we get is either from in game with slash feedback or slash bug. 
um, or the forums. Um, and usually in that respect, when we see things come up in the forums, quite often, it's not always negative, but it's usually letting us know there's a problem or an issue or there's an open discussion about something people either agree, disagree with, which we think is healthy um, and we support it. Um, being at SOE Live, however, talking to people in person, there isn't that that anonymity barrier uh, and people you know that we've even seen on the forums uh, based on their uh, character name. They were a lot, we got a lot more of a friendly experience. Um, it was really surprising to me how, you know, once we take negative feedback, we don't necessarily project that as a negative personality on the player. But when you meet them in person, you just see how passionate they are and that it, these changes and things that are issues for them matter deeply. Um, and so just based on that alone, we take everything more seriously, including the feedback. Like it was really important to me coming from SOE Live that. Some things that are small things that don't really affect us overall as a game, um, like adding things to the collector's edition or making some minor changes to items to make them more fun for everyone. Um, they're easy changes to make that make the game better overall. Um, so from that perspective, it was just nice to see and meet people in person um, and just see how gracious and passionate they are. It was really surprising to me because sometimes you expect to get, you know, at some degree yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no one did that. Everyone seemed generally happy and positive about the game. Um, and I shouldn't have been surprised about that. Um, but I was, I, I was really amazed at how gracious and, and really kind everyone was and just passionate, you know, not angry. Speaking of passionate, uh, I heard that somebody cornered you at the pool party about uh, giant kill count. How, how was that for you? <laughs> this is you. <laughs> um, made a very impassioned plea <laughs> to have uh, what's been asked for and forgotten many times um, the giant slayer achievement right Delmon? Uh, yes yes uh, <laughs> I was that person I, and I think cornering her at, at, at pool party is, is a bit of an exaggeration uh, I held her down okay <laughs> I did feel threatened <laughs> No, yeah, and I'm sure you noticed it's actually in now. It is, and I'm very happy with that. I have to say that was one of the first things when uh, COE launched that I immediately ran over to Eastern Waste so I could at least get the first tick mark done. <laughs> I'm so excited. I really wanted to take it. Hey, I worked so hard for it. I wanted to take advantage of it right away. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I think I would have been upset had you not. <laughs> I'm not done yet. I still have a lot more giants to go, but there will be 10,000 of them dead at some point. Excellent. Happy to hear it. <laughs> uh, so what class have you been playing in game recently? So a Shadow Knight. Okay. I'm not excuses for it anymore. I, that's my, I've always played in every game I can play, either a Shadow Knight or a Paladin to start with. Um, and I've got a Bard who's my main secondary alt. Troubadour. Oh. Uh, so what do, you, what do you enjoy doing with the Shadow Knight and Chains of Eternity so far? Um, AEing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't do everywhere? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I, I'm actually really pleased with um, the power increases with the prestige abilities. You know, it's one of those things when even in testing, you're not sure how it's going to play out. Uh, our spell designers and systems team, I think, did a really good job making those um, changes and choices to make them actually matter instead of giving us more choices of things that don't give you uh, a power increase that you'd be happy with. So I'm happy. I'm very happy right now. Chains of Eternity is 
the first content expansion we've had since Destiny of Valius, which was from uh, 2011. And we've had Age of Discovery. We've had Drunder. We've had what we call the, the Goose Mansion, uh, Update 56, and most recently Sleepers. Um, so for players... The, this kind of release timeline is a little bit confusing. We're not exactly sure what to expect and when to expect it. There used to be kind of more of a pattern with our expansions. Is this something the team is kind of uh, feeling out as they go? Is there kind of a roadmap for the future? Can you give us any kind of hint on what we might expect in the future? Sure, yeah. So um, you're right. We're kind of feeling things out right now. As you know, we went free-to-play uh, last December, so we're in a completely different model right now. So um, I think even uh, you may have heard at some point last year, Smoke Jumper even put into question whether or not there would be expansions anymore. Um, and it felt important to us to do an expansion this year based on, you know, we'd been working parallel during the year on on something that was going to be big in terms of content. Um, and content and regular content releases we think are important. So with Sky Shrine, you saw a small incremental uh, level increase, and I think that's going to be the path we're going to go on um, for the near future. Um, but honestly, we're working out those details right now, what's coming next year. We've got a lot of discussions to have, and, and so that we do have a plan. We definitely know, obviously, we've said in April, probably um, the next game update's going to come out with uh, Cobalt Scar and Siren's Grotto. And then beyond that, we're looking at what we want to do for the year. For this team, um, we did more content in the past year than the team has ever done in one year. Uh, we don't necessarily know if we want to repeat that, um, but maybe we do. You know what I mean? We're in that we're in that phase right now. Where we're probably going to be asking a lot of questions, probably inviting some discussion with the players uh, to figure out what we want to do. I think overall in our minds, content is king. So we want to make sure that we're focusing on doing content releases on a regular basis because we we know that you know it doesn't take very long for repetition and the frustration of it to settle in there's only so many times you want to be replaying the same content so we want to make sure we're really broad um and and serving every type of player that we have as often as we can so in the past year you saw that to um to a degree where we did um level increases we added raids with avatars um, and with sleepers, we added PvP um, balance changes um, and a new system for Battlegrounds. Um, plays a character in Dungeon Maker. So as you can see, we're trying to address all these different buckets of players that we have um, at regular intervals. So we're going to look at that overall um, and then see what's going to happen later in the year. But we at least do know that at least the, the first quarter of next year what we're going to be focusing on. Oh, and also we said the... We'll be addressing the final chapter of Age's End next year as well. So does this mean that uh, an AOD-type expansion uh, with features is not something we're likely to see in the near future? No. Yeah. <laughs> Give you the simple answer, no. I mean, uh, AOD is going to be around for a while, and it served its purpose, you know, in order to give um, a feature expansion that we can build on with some of our gameplay and we're going to continue to. So for example, you haven't seen the last of um, content additions for dungeon maker, for example. So we're still committed to supporting all the features we have in AOD for as long as we have it. Um, but yeah, it's all, yeah, we're, there's no plans for us to do a feature expansion. Like I said, content is king and that's our focus right now. 
do you think the players were a little bit confused because that that feature expansion, that AOD, kind of was different from what traditional MMO players have been seeing since MMOs were kind of born a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a decision the team made last year because they felt it was needed. They wanted to add some innovation and unique features in the game. Um, and it's one of those situations where you can't do both. Certainly a Beast Lord, you know, calling that a feature um, uh, is is probably riding the ragged edge a little bit. I think they felt there, it was it was going to be one or the other. And at least with a feature expansion done in December, we were building on it throughout the year. So it, and as you saw, you know, we've added mercenaries. We've um, uh, pretty soon here, I think we've probably already talked in, this may be an exclusive for you, <laughs> but we're going to add a new warder type um, pretty soon uh, for Beast Lords. Uh, and then, you know, we'll be continue to add to Dungeon Maker. So we've added an additional map um, over the year uh, and you're going to continue to see that as we go. So it's, that was sort of a foundation for us to build on with some content. Um, but yeah, we won't do that again. And I can understand how it was confusing, certainly, but um, we won't be doing that again, at least not in the near term. Near term being a year. So you, you mentioned a little bit about small level increases. Yes. And so this time we've now seen uh, level 95. Yes. Uh, why three levels? Ultimately for us, it was building on the prestige system, which ultimately, as you know, you get five points per level. Um, with our new system, we didn't right now with level 90, even level 93, what we wanted to do was build a baseline for which all content could be designed around and pretty safely balanced. So that's where the 280 AA requirement came in for level 91. Um, and we did 93 because in Sky Shrine, it seemed like that was more appropriate and there would be more content to replay overall by the players who leveled from 90 to 93. If we'd done 95 in Sky Shrine, the replayability of that content would have been really eroded and there really wouldn't be a lot for anyone to do from 90 to 95, if that makes sense. So we did make that choice and we did know what we'd be doing during the rest of the year. So we did know that we would be going to 95 with our expansion. So we wanted to build some continuity between Sky Shrine uh, and the expansion as well. So that between the two, all the content's going to be relative. Uh, it's going to be can be consumed from 90 to 95. So even at 95, you can go back to Sky Shrine and that content is still relevant. Same with Drender. Is there something magical about the level 100? Is 100 like the Y2K of Yeah, we don't Q2? want to. Yeah. We'll go 99 and then 101. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Are we all going to wind up back on Newbie Island again if we hit 100? You know, like the clocks turn back all of a sudden. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's just, it's funny how it does seem like a milestone, but but I, I'm sure you can imagine a ten level spread in one year. Just it didn't feel right to the team because we think our goal, and as we have done this year, is to give incremental content every couple of months. Mm -hmm. So our focus is to give you content that everyone at the highest levels, at least um, ninety to ninety five right now, can consume from you know you can do the last seven months of content and it's still relevant to you. You're not out leveling uh, the content so fast that not only are the loot rewards, but the content itself is still going to be meaningful and playable to you. And we think that's important uh, because when you get into a situation where you're obviously not going to do something um, within a 10 level spread at level 90 between level 100, you're not going to play level 90 content because it will be relevant to you. 
Um, and in this way, we feel like Drender is still relevant uh, and meaningful, even at level 95. Um, and even with uh, Chains of Eternity, that content's going to be easier to consume for uh, the higher end rating guilds as they gear up. Um, so we'll see more people probably getting into Drender and completing that content. And Plane of War, or Drender rather, should be relevant for a good long time, and it has been. In fact, the pacing in Drender is exactly what we wanted it to be, um, in that it's still relevant. Um, one of the biggest, speaking of Drunder, one of the big complaints that we've heard about um, both Drunder and Skytrain was kind of repurposing the same zone, uh, the same mobs for contested, for heroic and, and raid content. Um, and Chains of Attorney, from what I've heard, I haven't seen all the instances yet, um, breaks away from that pattern a little bit. How much did the player frustration kind of factor into the that decision or the design of those zones? Um, it actually, it, it didn't actually, those are basically decisions we make within the content. And when we're building the designs themselves, um, we actually didn't hear a lot of frustration in sky shrine, probably because it was still relatively new, mm-hmm. but in as, in as many cases as we can, which is why chains of eternity is an expansion. We always want to be giving unique geometry where we can, variety in the NPCs um, so that you feel, and as I've said, you know, like a broken record with the show, not tell the story mm-hmm. so that you feel the differences um, everywhere you go, uh, especially in an instance. Um, I think even as designers, while I say we didn't hear a lot of negative feedback, it's always our preference to take you somewhere new um, in as many steps in a storyline as we can, because you'll feel the impact. And I think we spoke about this um maybe a little bit uh, the first time we chatted um, and that no one really wants to go into the same instance with, you know, uh, two variations of a similar boss uh, in order to advance the story. So in part it's design preference and second, secondarily, we just think it, that's the right thing to do to tell a story. Uh, yeah. Cause I think it can get confusing, you know, the, this, the zone art looks similar and then, you, you do a heroic, and then there's the times two, and then there's a raid um, of the same th- same spot. Right. And the mechanics all start to uh, merge together in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them can be uh, the fatal flaw mechanic that you're either supposed to do or not do or something. Right. Uh, and when they're backwards or a twist on the other one, you're like, am I supposed to cure that here or not here? I, I forget. Which one are we in again? And then you, <laughs> then, then, then you tack on uh, normal mode and challenge mode of the same things. You're like, now which one am I really in? Yes. And now I remember from that example, we did talk about that last time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, no, I think as designers, we that's not something we want to do. But if we are given the choice between – giving you more content to consume and only using an instance once will always make the choice to give you more content to consume, but hopefully not confuse the heck out of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it sometimes you need a little blinking sign when you zone in, you know, welcome to so-and-so, you know, <laughs> sign. About finding a, a, an easy solution for that. So I'll make sure that I talk to the design team. Okay. Just for you. Thank you. Hey, hey, hey See, I, I got giant kill count. This will be the next thing. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't take as long. Uh, but with, with, <laughs> uh, with Sky Shrine, uh, attention to some of the trade skilling uh, seemed to be very minimal. 
uh, and somewhat passive for the player. There were very few quests, and you were auto-granted the the books and the recipes just for completing the quests. In Chains of Eternity, with salvation, salvation, salvaging, excuse me, <laughs> experimentation, green adornments being tinkering, um, recipe books coming off of kills, uh, it seems to be a lot more involved and uh, goes back a little bit to what it was like before Sky Shrine. Uh, is this, again, something that players had influence in? Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it was that as well as um, the perspective of the designer who is now focused on doing the trade skills, uh, who's a Moogie. Um, his name is Brian Ferguson. Um, and absolutely, you know, we take, took the player feedback very seriously from Sky Shrine um, and made the choice to, to really focus on it and give it the attention it had deserved for a long time now. So I've said, you know, many times that we've, you know, uh, implemented the most changes that have probably been seen since the game launched. Um, in terms of how it's changing, how trade skilling is being done um, from the experience uh, on up uh, into prestige abilities. Um, so, yeah, I, ultimately everything is the result of player feedback. Um, there's always going to be the designer perspective, um, which is also influenced by player feedback, but also because they play the game themselves. Uh, Brian is a trade skiller. He's also a PvP player. Um, so having a designer that really understands the systems themselves really helps us a lot. Not that we have designers that generally don't, but he's very passionate about it, just like our most passionate trade skillers. Uh, when when that was announced at uh, SOE Live, the uh, separation of uh, AAs for trade skilling from adventuring and prestige, their own individual prestige line, the room certainly lit up. They were extremely excited about that because I think that's something players thought might have been coming originally when when trade skill AAs were announced and they were kind of coupled with with adventuring ones. They kind of seemed to be two different play styles, um, but right. they got married together in that space. And I think players are very excited, and certainly I am, to see that they each have their own their own space within the game and therefore their own AAs and, and prestige trees. Yes, and you know we think. The perspective is that's how the game was originally intended to be, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to get back to the roots and build on it. Um, so, yeah, it's, we're, we're really pleased that uh, players seem to be happy with how it turned out. I'm daydreaming here a little bit about trade skilling PvP. Or PvP <laughs> trade skilling. What? Bring back death by forge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that a bad thing, really? <laughs> Uh-huh. This certainly brings a little fear into the, the trace killing life. <laughs> so one of the other new things that we've heard about and seen is uh, the player studio. And so far, it seems like a really positive reception. Can you kind of talk a little bit about how it's been going from your end so far? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, since SOE Live, we've been uh, working through the process and the details. We do actually have one item now that's already in the game. Um and you know, as you, we've said many times, there's a process from beginning to end here. So we're at the phase now where we're getting some things signed uh, by players. Um, uh, so we're hoping, you know, sometime in December, hopefully, uh, we'll get the first item uh, in our marketplace. Um, so we, you know, we've been building our UI uh, for Player Studio, how we're integrating that into our in-game marketplace and sorting out the details. So we're get, seeing some really cool stuff. Um, our art director. Uh, has been going through them every week uh, and then deciding which ones may need a bit of fine-tuning, et cetera. And, um, so far, it's been really good. We've seen some really cool stuff. Um, what we did get, a, I think, a plate of pork chops um, <laughs> that we're looking into getting some refinements on, I think. 
Um, but you know, cloaks, um, we do, I, I, it's a, uh, a really nice, uh, chest, uh, housing item that's the one is currently in game right now, um, that we're looking at proceeding with. So, uh, we're getting there. It's just a matter of time and the de- figuring out the details. Cause of course this is our first time in this process. So we're working a few things out, but we're getting there. We're, it's looking good for December. Hey, Del, I don't know. That plate of pork chops sounds pretty good. Well, you know what? I, I don't know if I could get this through, but immediately, of course, you hear pork chop. I got to think bacon. Right. And I'm thinking, why has nobody created like plate of bacon, you know, bag of bacon, suit of yeah. bacon? I mean, <laughs> although that may border on the free realms line a little bit too much. Uh, but I mean, I, when I first heard about player suit, I was kind of like, I don't know. But then I thought about it and I'm like, wow, this, you know, you hear so many players talk about, oh, I wish this was in game. Right. And and then going an extra mile, players in game uh, using existing items in game to uh, morph them, kind of transform them into other things. The, the, the very first aquariums is something that makes me think of that. Now somebody can say, you know, to heck with having to kind of Lego your own uh, aquarium together. I'll draw my own aquarium and put it in game. Right. And, and I think that's really cool. Uh, uh, the, the possibilities are truly endless with this. If you can think about it, you know, and, and certainly there'll, there'll never be enough art team members to draw everything. Uh, right. But now, now kind of there is. You know? Right. Uh, now we have an unlimited resource. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm we're very excited. excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen some really nice stuff come through. So it's exciting. Uh, and I heard it at SOE Live, too. Somebody made a suggestion about doing uh, uh, voiceovers or music. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I'm not sure of the, the legal or the technical aspects of all that, but I think those are two other places where Player Studio can go even further. Right. Yeah. And there's and honestly, there's been so many different suggestions that we've been looking at. The music, when I think uh, one of our uh, engineers is looking at that, um, even in terms of letting anyone use any music they want anywhere anyway. But yeah, so there's, it, you're exactly right. It's kind of limitless at this point, And it's just about how we keep up with the pacing of the ideas that we have. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, wildly impressed by it. And I'm, I'm excited to see what other people can do out there. Because as I've said, I have zero artistic talent. <laughs> so I'm always impressed with some of the stuff that people create out there. And uh, I have zero uh, decorating skills as well. So when I see people uh, put these things together to make something else that necessarily that rock wasn't originally designed for. And you're like, oh, wow, that's how they did that. Uh, and so I think Player Studio, I think Player Studio is going to be a huge success because I do think there's a lot of talented people out there who can do a lot with this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, something else we heard about from SOE Live was the Chrono. Yes. N- not Chronos, which is so just Apparently one is the plural. I, I, we're still struggling with the plural of Chrono <laughs> being Chrono. Uh, but from your point of view, how's the reception been of, of the Chrono? Um, really good, actually. We were actually it's it's basically right on target with what we expected. And, you know, quite often that doesn't happen. Um, so you've probably seen they are being sold in game mm-hmm. um, and, the you know, they are being bought daily. And um, so, yeah, we're actually pretty happy with how it's working. Um, the next thing that's come up is um, and we've seen this feedback in many places is the ability to buy expansions with Chrono. So we're actually look internally. We've been looking at that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is. And we're not sure, you know, exactly how we put all that together because it's not that simple, of course, um, what is. But it does seem like a natural 
um, extension of Chrono. But Chrono itself, just focusing on that, uh, is doing exactly what we expected. And we think, you know, as you know, we think it's a great option for players. Uh, yeah, because it is. Have... Oh, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's great for players who don't have the the money, you know, to, to pay for membership time. Uh, yeah, because you can do kind of almost anything with it. Yes. Uh, you can purchase loot with it. You can purchase services or whatever those might be in game. Uh, and I'll leave that to people's imagination. <laughs> wow. I, I was, I was wow. suggesting power level. I don't know what the rest of you people oh, are thinking, okay. right? Uh, but, sure. you know, it, it's a currency that you can kind of do anything with. Yes. You know, help me with this mob. Help me do this instance. I'll give you a chrono, I guess, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I want to buy that, that shiny sword that just dropped uh, from somebody. Here's a chrono for it. Uh, so kind of the possibilities, again, are endless as to what you spend it on. It just doesn't necessarily have to be time to plat. It could be time to something else. Exactly. And the nice thing is we've seen a lot of instances of gifting. So, mm-hmm. you know, players trade it with, you know, it, in guild, uh, they'll trade with a guildie to give them membership time. It's been, you know, there's some been really sweet, positive experiences from it. Well, that certainly is an easier way to gift somebody time rather than, you know, buy a game card, send them the code and all of that. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah. And it's also, I think, a way to like kind of reward people for min-maxing a little bit or it gives them an option to sort of get something out of their min-maxing if that's the way they choose to go. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of maxing, here's a little yeah. hot, hot button issue Dell and I have gotten in, in discussions about over the past uh, couple of years is this idea of uh, insta max leveling by way of some purchasable thing yes. in game. What is your opinion as a producer and as a player? Um, wow, you're really putting me in a difficult position. I'm not going to win on this one. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, so... As a game ages, you want to give the opportunity for people who are playing your game to experience the content over again, however they may choose. Um, and also to give them options in situations where grouping is, is maybe not as happening at, at the same rate as it used to when the game was younger or had a higher population, let's say. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking, I was playing another game and have played another game um, where this was the case as well. So... I don't object if I have a high-level character. I don't object if I can have the ability to have an alt who can be insta-leveled to at least a semi-high level um, so that I can get to the same content I'm working on on my main fairly quickly. Because going through all the content, as the level spread gets wider, so 1 to 95 in our case, um, that gap seems so wide it almost seems like you know drudgery to get from 1 to 95. Um, in an alt. And ultimately, we, I want to be supporting the players who are playing our game actively and who do want to consume the content. So I agree that if you have a high-level character, you should be able to get an alt at a higher level fairly easily. That's my opinion, because I think it improves playability and replayability in our game. I also believe if you're a high-level player and you want to bring friends into the game, that you should have the opportunity to bring someone in at a higher level so that you they don't have to bypass all the content, but at least get to a point where you can play actively with your friend closer to the level that they are at when they invite you in. So if I'm level 80 and I want a, a friend of mine's interested in playing, I'd want to at least bring them in within 10, 15 levels of me. Those are my perspectives just because I feel like grouping is what we are about. 
um, and having utility and grouping as something as a game gets older should be a focus. So I'm in favor of that. As far as purchasing a high-level character, um, like buying a level 90 or a 95, I'm not sure I'll ever get to that point. Well, I think one of the things, uh, at least for Dell and I, that when when we get an expansion, say, for example, like Chains of Eternity, there's so much quest content and stuff to do, and there's still three levels, and our, we're raiding also on a regular basis, and of course, everybody wants to go see the new content there. Uh, and, you know, rather than sort of take the time and level up the slow way, everybody kind of power levels just to get to 95 and I think Del and I are kind of of the mindset now of, you know what, let's just get 95 over with so we can raid and then do our little questy thing at our pace without having to power through anything. Right. Um, so I think in, you know, in what we've seen, I think uh, Del, I don't know, what do you think? You, you, you've softened a little bit on this whole Insta, Insta level business. Yeah, certainly uh, Del's old school opinion would be no, no, no. Not in my backyard, you mm-hmm. know, that, that's counterproductive to MMOing. Right. Um, but I think, you know, as we've watched certainly EQ2 age over the years, you know, if, if you want to start a, a level one alt today uh, to get them to 95 to where all your other friends are playing, you're kind of just doing it as quickly as possible. I used to believe and I used to argue for, well, you learn how to play your class over those 90 some odd levels. I don't know if that's true anymore, you know. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have to say the re- that was my main reason. Oh, you become experienced and you become good as you level. I don't know if that's true anymore. You know, certainly there are other ways to earn XP. I mean, you could level a character all the way to ninety-five through Dungeon Maker on right. on yeah. an avatar and never play your character. You know, your right. tr- your class character. What to me, I guess I've I've given up on the the reason that I thought was so important isn't anymore because it's 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 not there. Uh, right. You can be mentored the whole way where they just drag you from a zone that's read to you to the next one just to level you up as quickly as possible. So uh, to me, I guess, yes, I still think it's wrong, but uh, – and, and certainly for myself, I would never do it uh, because right. I like – to me, the journey is is the fun. Uh, the, you know, right. the, the, There's a reason to get to the end and the, the, the journey is just as fun as the end. So would I do it? No. But I guess I've given up on why shouldn't other people who want to – uh, a level 90, whatever, max level, whatever that may be, or a range or wherever, a dirge or, or a troubadour or a coercer. If they want it, why not? And you know what? They'll probably pay for it. Right. <laughs> so, so, heck, why not sell it, right? Uh, right. So I guess – and I think, you know, because Smoke Jumper floated that question some months ago, and it was a very hot-button issue, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, especially coming from the position he was in at the time when he said it. It was like, oh, he must be fe- putting the feelers out there because here it comes tomorrow uh, right. type of thing. You know, but I think, you know, would I be disappointed? Yeah, but I guess it is what it is by today's standards. So I wouldn't see anything wrong with it for me. Yeah, I, it's, it's, yeah it's one of those discussions we have on the team. But honestly, I feel like for alts, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal because you're dealing with with, for the most part, players who are experts in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, with, like the AA bobble, for example. Um, if you have a level 90, uh, boosting your AA up to 280, you're already an expert in the game, for the most part, if you're level 90. If we're not going to assume the edge cases you brought up, like you sure. leveled up in Dungeon Maker, etc. But what, what I, I, I do have difficulty with is giving any 
new player access to a high level character because again that's not the game we are you know we are a story based game um and we are a persistent world and we expect if if you're going to become a hero that you at least do your best effort to play your game to the higher level first so you understand it and you understand what an achievement it is to get to level 90 in most cases um certainly not in the sense that you're power leveling etc uh mentoring and so forth um, just to level as fast as you can. So, but that's just again, that's my perspective, and and certainly smoke smoke jumper from the reaction he got um, <laughs> when he asked the question. Certainly, when you know he's he he heard the answer loud and clear at least at that time, which was a absolutely no way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is in some sense for a new player, um, and again, this is my perspective. It feels a bit insulting. It, mm-hmm. What you're saying to me is getting even to level ninety means nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's appropriate. You hit level 90, all bets are off. I, I think it carries the message a little bit, not necessarily stated but implied, zero to whatever, you know, wherever you come in at max, is not important. Right. It's 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 nothing more than, you know, a, a road you have to race down as quickly as possible. There is story in there. There is fun stuff to do if you want to do it, but by saying you can be – you know, today, 95 with the click of a button, it implies that all that stuff before it is is trivial and not worth your time. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I do, I do like the alt idea, though. Uh, we, we know a lot of people who have many, many, many alts, and they have them for rating purposes uh, or grouping or, or trade scaling, and they – you know, like Del was saying earlier, they don't want to necessarily go through a whole signature line to get access or, or whatever. Um, and if they're just power leveling to get those three more levels or five levels or whatever, anyway, in old content, it almost seems like kind of a, a space there where there's maybe some room for that. Not that I'm a, a fan of the idea on a, on a, basic level but it just seems like maybe maybe there's a little room wow that's a big step for you ali it is i (laughs) i've been really opposed all this time and i i like really was shocked that dell would ever go there but you know he makes really good argument and this alt argument is a really good argument i think so i'm equally shocked i went there as well Mm. Uh, and I'm the one who went there, but uh, you know, I, I think it's it's the reality of what it is today, mm-hmm. right? And I think we should be enabling everyone to have fun. Um, and like exactly as you say, at some point you are an expert in the game if you have a level 95, and if for some reason you want to play a different class um, uh, at the highest level, we shouldn't have barriers to that necessarily. You know, it, not multi-classing is another idea that we've thrown around if you do have an alt to a certain level, so we can assume you at least have some expertise in another class. Um, so there's lots of ideas. I don't want to say that that's necessarily on the table, but we talk about these things all the time because even for us as players, there's times where it's like, well, I don't want to tank this time, mm-hmm. or you want to have some a bit more variety because you play this game every day. So why not have your alt available for grouping or even rating at some point? Um, but it's, establishing those limits of how much we give you uh, for f- free, um, not just in SC terms, but in time as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these are all questions we have to be talking about now. Well, I have one more that's kind of like that as well. 
<laughs> Great. Uh, SLR. Selling yeah. of loot rights. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost a way of life in game today, and certainly the, the current game mechanics facilitate it. Yes. Uh, what's your opinion of SLR? Oh, um, wow. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't generally agree with it. For the almost, you know, you'll see a, a thread in my philosophy is that if you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it. And there is always the argument, well, what's the point in it going to waste when there is, uh, there are um, benefits, you know, not only in terms of plat, etc., um, but another character can benefit from the item. I still get frustrated um, in that we're selling something that someone didn't earn just for the sake of earning plat. And it, it, that kind of stuff frustrates me. And I'm, again, it's sort of I've got a little bit of the old school in me. But yeah, generally I don't I don't agree with it. But I do definitely understand why it's a benefit. You know, there's I do see the argument on the other side, but it's not my favorite mechanic. That does seem loosely like it is. Yeah, <laughs> I hate the idea that it's supported. And uh, we have just probably like you have arguments. Uh, with your friends and other players, the design team and the team itself is the same. Even, you know, the entire game team, we all have a different perspective on it. I myself, I don't care for it. I, I kind of believe like you do. If you didn't kill it or, or do it, you didn't earn it. Uh, and therefore you shouldn't be entitled to the reward. Uh, it, you know, we hear the argument, well, the sit li- players who have to be on a sit list because there's only 24 slots in there, number 25, you know, family, life, work, real life prevents, you know, the time commitment and all that. Um, you know, I, I guess sometimes I, I'm a little hardcore in that respect. You know what? If you, don't, if you didn't do it, you don't have it. We don't give out quest updates for person number 25, that sort of thing. So why should they be entitled to loot? Right. And you, Allie? I, you know, I'm surprisingly kind of on the fence about this one. I know so many people who have... Time constraints and things that you know they can't do, whatever raid. Um, I don't know. I, I I personally have never bought anything on the auction channel, but I've been party to selling. <laughs> I don't <laughs> we all though. I I don't really care that much. I guess I, it doesn't bother me really. It used to bother me. I think for That's myself, but I guess I don't really care if other people do it. It doesn't really do anything. The Insta Max thing that that one really pushes buttons for me. But for some reason, reason selling loot rights doesn't. It doesn't trigger any anger feelings for me, <laughs> or or happy feelings. It's just whatever. It's just there. I don't know why. Fair enough. You know, I mean, that's that. Those are your both of your perspectives. You know, reflect exactly what the team. Arguments are like it's basically fifty-fifty. I'll even go one step further. Uh, as much as I don't care for it, and and I don't sell things. However, uh, I I have been guiltily charged of being the recipient of of selling things or convincing other people <laughs> to sell things yes. for me. Go uh, people to sell things for you. I, I like my plat split from my guild absolutely for for having sold uh, sold stuff. Although I guess in today's mechanic, and, and, it, and it is so far ingrained into game mechanics today, I, I don't know if we ever really thought when persistent instances first came into game if we knew that this would this is where it would lead us to. I now look at it as much like Instamax level. Well, 
why bother with heirloom and why bother with no trade items then? Uh, if we're just going to sell it, what we end up doing is holding up 24 people uh, or six people in, in, the, in a group instance in that case while we auction something. Then somebody has to drop, zone in, zone out, call a veteran, all this business. It's, it's actually almost a hindrance. The selling of loot rights I think is here and is here to stay as far as Dell can tell. Uh, <laughs> but we have heirloom and all these other things that make it a little easier but are still um, impede Annoyances. progress. Right. So I'm almost of the extreme opinion now of uh, no trade on a few things like your mythical, the super rare items, right, that you don't want right. floating around the marketplace. But you know what? If it's the shiny, 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 the shiny, shiny new sword off of mob so-and-so, well, you know what? Sell it and, and be able to put it on the broker. Let our let looters collect it and then sell it that way later as opposed to holding up raids or groups to, to sell things. Yeah, and honestly, you know, some of these things are the discussions that are happening now as we get into, you know, next year and planning what we're going to be working on. So, you know, the perspective is either we support SLR and build systems around it um, or we don't at all, mm -hmm. you know. So we're going to go one way or the other because you're right. I mean, having half a system that's kind of only partially endorsed um, doesn't make a lot of sense. Like you said, we're just making it difficult for the sake of making it difficult. That said... One of the big features the team wants to work on this next year, and I have a funny feeling this is going to be one of the things we absolutely will do, is basically overhauling our broker system. So, uh, and when I say overhauling, I mean could be creating and rebuilding it from the ground up to make those types of things, including consignment, including reverse brokering, like I'm looking for such and such an item. Um, there's a whole deep document being developed uh, on what would the system be if we could have everything we wanted because it's, it's time now because we need to address those kinds of things. And maybe as you suggest, having a, a instant brokering on an item that can't be used um, as a reward or that's dropped as a reward could be added to that. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, we are always looking at making the systems easier as the game ages uh, and changes. And, you know, the focus is for us to uh, um, make sure we're supporting our existing loyal player base. So you guys, basically. Um, and those are the kinds of systems we need to look at building or, you know, not supporting. Um, but, yeah, I thought I'd just throw in that the broker system is definitely one of those things we want to look at. Well, while you're doing the broker system, can you put in <laughs> something where you can sell to guildmates at a discount, if you want. Sure. We'll that would that be really great. Like discounted arrows <laughs> to your... to your. <laughs> I know it always comes back to arrows, but, you know. Oh, you rangers. <laughs> I was going to say, are you a ranger? <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't know, but yeah. <laughs> By the way, how do you like the ability to make tons of arrows at a time? Have you gotten that far yet? I have not gotten that far yet. Um, my alt will let you know. Awesome. Gets there. My woodworker. Uh yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. That is that is one of those really great things I'm looking forward to. And actually in this, so uh this isn't official yet, but probably in a week or two I could I'll probably have more details for you. But in December we're kind of doing a happy holidays update. Uh and the design team has some pretty interesting things in mind uh to add that based on my last question you might be happy with oh 
if it has yeah. to do with arrows or yeah, right. going, exactly. then I'll be happy. <laughs> it just might. Right. Uh, but we'll give you more details in the next couple of weeks. Well, we'll find out soon enough. Hey. Yeah. This team is crazy, by the way. They keep, you know, coming. Hey, we're going to do this thing in December because we want to. You know, they're just completely rabid about adding more stuff and answering the requests we've had from a lot of players. That's good to hear. Very exciting. We've been talking a little bit about systems, and here's another system in game. It's the Dungeon Finder one. Uh-huh. And it seems to be floundering a little bit. None of the Sky Shrine zones are in it. None of Sleepers are in it. And as far as I can tell, uh, none of the Chains of Eternity are in there either. Uh, should players take this to mean that Dungeon Finder is a thing of the past? Uh. <laughs> um. So the reality is it doesn't work the way we want it to. And it's another system Speaking of systems, you're right, that we want to look at. So a lot of us in game, we've used it at various levels. Um, and certainly I think it seems like every time we log in, we attempt to use it. Um, it seemed to be a default behavior for a lot of people who solo that may want to do heroic instances um, and with very little success. So I don't want to say that it's a thing of the past, but it's definitely something we need to take a closer look at in terms of fixing how it's functioning. If we're going to focus on it at all, we're interested in learning how many people actually attempt to use it versus how many people actually use it. Because we don't want to get to a situation where we're supporting features like Dungeon Finder um, that people aren't apt to use. So I suppose, yeah, I would even ask you, uh, both of you, do you use a looking for group mechanic or in guild chat to look for groups? Or how do you, do you guys use the dungeon finder? I do not. I don't LFG either. I don't LFG in channel and I generally don't pug. So I'm maybe not a good person to ask. I did use dungeon finder when it first came out because I looked at it as an opportunity to get those old quest updates and in, in heroics that I had missed or sh- farm for shinies and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think unfortunately dungeon finder didn't start out of the block. Well, right. Uh, and it's negative. Uh, I don't want to say negativity, but it's, it's not working well snowballed itself. Right. You know, so the more you used it and the less successful you were at it, the less or the more likely you were not to use it anymore. Uh, right. And, you know, and I think like a lot of things in life, uh, Dungeon Finder, uh, it only had one chance to make a good first impression. Right. And maybe it didn't. So I think uh, trying to get people back into it might be difficult because all of their first experiences were not positive ones. Right. And I think that's exactly the situation we're in right now. It's like how how much do we invest uh, given that it didn't do what it was intended to do when it was released? Uh you know, because again, like, for, for example, for us to focus on a broker system makes sense. That's a system that's used deeply and widely across the entire population. Mm-hmm. Dungeon Finder, not so much. So, you know, and this is part two of um, matchmaking as well. So we know we want to spend some time fine-tuning our matchmaking. So similar systems are used in Battlegrounds, as I'm sure you can imagine. And we do have some things in mind, and we've added some things to our core systems to make that um, more usable and more accurate. So gear score, for example, is something that we've added more detail in in order to do more effective matchmaking. 
So we want to tie all these things together. Um, and at some point, we would we do recognize we would have to completely relaunch Dungeon Finder um, and make it a completely new system in order to encourage anyone to use it again. The fact is, though, when you're dealing with populations in mid-levels that may not be interested in those particular dungeons, that's where it falls apart. Mm-hmm. I think at the highest levels, it does have some benefit and use, um, but only at the highest levels right now. Uh, yeah, I think it would be difficult to win back those yes. negative Nellies on Dungeon Finder, and I, I'm in that boat as well because of being burned by it so many times in the past. Uh, you almost have to come out with uh, Dungeon Finder 2.0 or 2.1, right? Uh, And and try to say, ignore what happened in the past. This is all new and try it again. And, you know, you spend a lot of time to get to that point and you might end up with what you have today again and that then your time and resources have been somewhat wasted. Exactly. And that's the balancing act that we're we're playing right now is where is our time best spent? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we have seen a little bit of... um, of that with battlegrounds i mean you know if you tell people we did some work on this take another look i mean we saw when when battlegrounds was sort of reworked and fluffed a lot more a lot more people in there at least i know i was in there which you wouldn't have seen me in there Mm -hmm. before um but i think just with more people doing it it just makes you kind of want to do it more makes you as a player want to go where everybody else is going kind of yeah, exactly. And, and you know, uh, PvP, the, the changes that we made, uh, the team really fought for because I'm sure, as you can appreciate, um, until we did the changes, people had given up on PvP, mm-hmm. um, and certainly in Battlegrounds. Uh, and then when we did make the changes, um, it, it, the population has basically not faltered since we relaunched it. There's a dedicated group, and it seems to be steady and consistent, which says to me, we did the right thing. Mm. Um, we've got people back in there enjoying it and, and, um, reaping the benefits from it. Um, to be able to do that in dungeon finder. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to, you know, that's one of those things we will weigh, you know, in the next weeks as we figure out what we're going to be doing next year. It is kind of interesting to hear about how you uh, sort of analyze the, the success or the lack of success of certain things and then kind of tweak from there based on what you see. Um, what about the Goblin Games, the, the Giggle <laughs> Gibber? How does that, uh, are there going to be new rewards, new games? How is the success of that going? Yeah, so it actually, um, it did better than we thought it would, which almost never happens, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, absolutely. So we'll be adjusting the loot list, though um, I believe unattuners will always remain um, because that seems to be a resource at this point um, for items that weren't uh, that you can't acquire anywhere else, um, at least not to the same degree uh, and ease. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, we're going to change the loot. In fact, we've got some ideas uh, coming up either for December or January um, that should invigorate it a bit. And then in addition to that, new games. So we'll probably take some feedback from what we've already got with the current games that are being played and do some adjustments and relaunch those with some different unique mechanics and changes. But yeah, it seems like a sideline little thing to do that uh, a fair amount of people are participating in right now, which kind of surprised us a bit. 
<laughs> you sound disappointed. <laughs> uh, I'm interested because I Dell didn't try them out. I felt like I needed to just for uh, the information alone. So I used my little free things and uh, like I, you could maybe categorize it like a mini game, but I, the gaminess of it was to me missing. It seemed sure. more like a, a slot machine pull or buying a lottery ticket kind of, but with zoning. <laughs> Yeah, so, and I'm not sure, so anytime, and this is, this might help explain why they are the way they are to you a little bit. So any type of lotto mechanic that anyone is actually playing, uh, paying money for, um, requires a skill component, uh, legally. Otherwise, it's straight up and up gambling. So in-game, if you're using in-game currency, it's not a big deal. Anytime you're actually spending real money on it, it does become an issue. So we had this barrier where we wanted to put in some meaningful lottery with some items people care about. Uh, and in doing that, we wanted to put in mini games that were basically would feel like a slot machine but had a skill component. So we basically – to hear you say that and to some degree means we actually hit our target <laughs> because we didn't want somebody slogging through a game that took 15, 20 minutes – Mm-hmm. To get a reward that's not that meaningful at the end of the day, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We don't have thing. We don't have power items in there, certainly. And if we did that, maybe we would increase the investment. But literally, we just had to have a light skill component um, that was between you and getting uh, the reward. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, it was one of those strange legal things. So most other games have a concept called mystery crates. Mm-hmm. Or you're playing through and you get a drop and you can't unlock it unless you have a key, which you go buy off a marketplace. We weren't comfortable with that because we felt if we started dropping chess in the world that you guys couldn't open, you <laughs> have it carrying torches and at our doorstep. And, oh. you know, yeah. So we figured we'd make it a choice <laughs> rather than a requirement to access loot in the game. Yes. Yeah. The mystery crates in, in free realms are so frustrating. And if I had to see that in EQ2, I think I would just pull my hair out. I yeah. think you're absolutely right. So yeah. there yeah, is a way to avoid the gobligades if you want to. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a, it's a choice, not a requirement. I, I, I can't even fathom the riot I, I would try to create if <laughs> you know, it's one thing to see a, a bear drop a chest out of its butt after you kill it. Now it's a lock chest that I have to run back to town and purchase a key. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, little... And you're one of the people we had in mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you chose wisely <laughs> down that path. I think so. <laughs> so let me ask you, players have been talking about uh, progression service. We hear that come up every so often for EverQuest 2. Uh, has this something the team has considered doing at all? We have considered it. I don't see that happening in the near future, but it's always one of those options that remains on the table. For those players who've done progression servers like in EverQuest, there's a really nice romantic view of how it works. For us to spend the time to make that work, I think right now our time is better spent elsewhere. But it's always on the table. I I agree with you. I think a lot of players think about a progression server and have romantic thoughts of newbie Island and pre live update 13 mm-hmm. mechanics. 
you know, and this is how it'll be. Actually, a progression server isn't really like that. It uses today's mechanics, today's right. rule sets uh, with just uh, walls. Right. Uh, and when something is killed, say Darathar is killed, then that would unlock desert. People could then move on to Majdul uh, right. and Desert of Flames. Uh, and, and I think what ends up happening, because I, I watched the EverQuest ones, I didn't participate in them, I watched them through their web interface, was that a small band of dedicated players who wanted to be the unlocking team right. raced very hard to, uh, to do that and right. kill whatever the, 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 the kill was needed and unlock the next thing and move on to the next. So... Uh, it turns out to be, you know, in EQ2 terms, uh, 24 people who will do progression and uh, everybody else will kind of ride on the coattails wondering, how do I get back to Newbie Island? Uh, right. You know, Island of Refuge. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I do. Uh, I have to say I do miss it. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think people think of it fondly uh, but don't remember, you know, and don't understand it's going to be with today's rule sets. Right. You know, uh, and today's, you know, healer mechanics and fighter mechanics and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we actually it, used to use heroic opportunities back then. Oh, Jesus, yeah. heroic opportunities. Oh, good Lord. Makes me think <laughs> of the, the triplets there in Palace of Rome there, where, where we had to explain to people what a heroic opportunity was in order to, to defeat that encounter. I, I, I got to be honest, even if when that becomes as green as it can uh, and you go in there with a pug, I don't think you can succeed. Because the, you'll never find 24 Puggables who uh, know what a heroic opportunity is. Uh, absolutely. So uh, I, I think, you know, those sort of things are, are, are mechanics of, of days gone by and you'll never get them again, unfortunately. Uh, right. And, and the amount of time and effort that you talk about that, would, would it be to spin up a progression server and build the rules that, that put in the, those, uh, those barrier triggers uh, yeah. to the next content? Uh, I, I think people would get through DOF and go, this is what it is. Right, exactly. You know, and then those 24 would keep moving forward, but everybody else would lose interest pretty quickly and end up going back to their regular, regularly scheduled servers. Right, and I feel like, uh, you know, we're not in a position now where we want to split our population anymore. So, yeah, and I think you're exactly right. It does – there is this uh, romantic view of how it would be, and that's certainly not how it would be. It would use today's mechanics – it would require a lot of time for someone to script everything to unlock um, as it should in progression. Uh, and that person's time, believe me, could be better spent working on new systems like revamping the broker or, you know, fixing some other bugs and issues that we have in the game. And like I said, I'm not I, I don't think we're looking at ways to split our population right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you were talking about heroic opportunities. Is that something the team has uh, considered revamping or kind of taking another look at to maybe encourage more people to use it or help them understand it. I keep asking, you know, like what, how, you know, why are we not supporting this anymore? And why, you know, what, what happened to it? Because I used to use it all the time. And when I getting to a point in the game where it just didn't become a viable option and people just started, stopped triggering uh, the opportunities I'm not sure when that happened on the team exactly, uh, but I, there is this thought that we would look at how it operates uh, and bring it in uh, at some point again as a mechanic, as an uh, basically, uh, well, as it was, it was basically a reactive mechanic. That fa- it was originally intended to make <laughs> combat feel more action oriented, <laughs> um, um, but. Uh, 
it's one of those things I keep asking about, and the team kind of looks at me like I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> nobody uses it, apparently. And uh, But there is a thought, and when I do ask the question, they do say, like, you know, if we were to reinvest um, and add meaningful opportunities at every range, um, we'd have to redesign it so that it was much more easy to use and a lot more intuitive from a UI perspective. To be honest, though, I never found it that difficult because mm-hmm. there was a there was a tutorial on Newbie Island when you used it. <laughs> oh, see, <laughs> yeah, and now that tutorial is no longer there. But um, yeah, it's one of those things we're not not actively supporting right now. But it's another one that we've said you know we'd have to redesign if we were going to support it fully mm. again. So someday, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> Nothing is off the table at this point. <laughs> I do miss it, though, I have to say. The chains were awesome yeah. in a group. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you really hit one that was great and people were actually working together. And this was all before voice chat, too. Right. Like right. Cool. And now people just say, stop hitting that button. It's taking right. up real estate on my screen. And yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I don't want to waste my power. Right. right. <laughs> I, you're going to ruin my, you're ruining my, my, my spell progression. <laughs> My macro, you mean. Exactly. <laughs> so we've seen some uh, really cool websites and uh, mobile apps and, and, and things using the EQ2 census data. Um, it's pretty amazing to us what they've put together and how much players have been, have been making use of that. Um, can you share a little bit, um, if there is anything to share, uh, what's being worked on, uh, what's next to enhance the census data? Sure. Um, I think when we were at, when, while we were at SOE Live, there were some requests to add a bunch of things to our census data. There's a couple of things in there that frustrate me that aren't in there right now. Um, so I think we, we're looking at adding everything. So quests, um, so you'll have some perspective of um, what you've done in content that you'll be able to pull. Um, I can't remember the list uh, exactly, but there's a long list of additional things that are coming probably in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, we've been working with Felden mm-hmm. with uh, for EQ2U to be able to add more depth. So I think right now you're not able to see your focus effects um, and your racial traits and a few other minor things. Um, so we're looking at constantly adding to it and building it out. So it's never going to end, basically, until we have everything accessible. Let me take that one step further. Have you considered doing like any aggregation to produce statistics like, for example, dare I say, leaderboards? Oh, yeah. We actually talked about that um, at SOE Live as well. That question was brought up. Why do we not have more leaderboards available? And I think you'll probably see us do that more uh, next year and looking at new leaderboards we could add. So, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I think, you know, when I was talking to members of the team at, at SOE Live there, uh, the welcome screen when yeah. you first log in, I would love to see a little widget in there, you know, either customizable or a random one appear every time you, every day you log in, you know, top 10, you know, DPS or top 10 quests or achievements or whatever, whatever metric makes sense. Uh, but I think that would be a great way to put it up there because if you saw your name in lights or worse, your name was in lights and then the next day it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the motivation to get back on that list uh, for some players is pretty great. I mean, much like PvPers, uh, there are certain things in, in, in game that players love to work on. For example, quests. 
right. uh, and to be one of the top quest doers or something like that or achievements or, or something like that. Discoveries, yeah. things like that. Yeah. 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 No, uh, right now, like I said, we've got this massive list of priorities and I'll make sure that that gets on the list of uh, for the leaderboard uh, content we've been talking about. So we're looking at doing additional um, housing leaderboards, dungeon maker leaderboards. So we might as well just add everything to it, given that we do have the data anyway. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of surfacing that data. And the welcome screen is a good place to do it. And we also talked about doing something in-game as well. So bulletin boards in some way in the geometry. Sure. So cities, for example. Yeah. Yeah, because I think a leaderboard uh, leads to replayability. Because sure. Because people there, – there's a competitive nature – uh, in some things about getting back on that list. If you were, if you were in the top ten and now you're number eleven, you might do your darndest to keep playing to to get back on that leaderboard and get your name in lights. We're really just talking about you, aren't we? Uh, we are talking about what? Well, <laughs> right. You mean there are there are other players? In so, yeah, insofar as so I can get ahead of them. Uh, that's all I need them for, right? A leaderboard of one is not all that interesting. Uh, but you look at a site like uh, EQ2 Progress, where where guilds track their kills. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's rankings. That is important to people. That is part of that gameplay. Uh, there are certain challenges when what, it, what defines a guild in a union and collaborative efforts, that sort of thing, and Pug, who gets credit, and that sort of thing. Uh, achievements maybe help that out a little bit. But uh, that sort of ranking is important to people. There is a competitive nature out there, and, and top tens. Yes. Mm-hmm. People want to be on it, uh, and, and they want to see themselves out there, and we'll, we'll work, uh, work hard to do that. We talked about that for guilds too, especially when you know as we add more avatars, uh, we were talking about doing that for guilds too. Basically, a leaderboard of how many avatars have been killed, um, and and any other data that's useful uh, for determining what makes a guild number one in a top ten list. Yeah, yeah. So we're yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. We absolutely should and probably will do it soonish. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it should be out by well today. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Tuesday's, right. Tuesday's patch day, right? There you go. Actually, no, Tuesday's not patch day. Oh. Planet Side is taking over uh, next week. Oh, how dare they? Right. Yeah, that's what we had patch uh, a patch yesterday. <laughs> uh, so as producer, uh, what do you see as the most pressing issues uh, for EQ2 today and going forward? Right. And my focus right now is to focus. Uh, wow. I just said focus. my focus is to focus. Uh, <laughs> um, my goal right now is to focus on making the players we have who are playing right now happy and engaged and in the game. And I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I think it's something we need to focus on doing more of. So I'm sure you can imagine there's some degree where we're always – uh, paying attention in part to bringing in new players. Um, and we do have a steady stream of new players, but I think uh, our goal right now is to keep the players that are actually playing every day, um, doing our big events in raids, uh, spending the time doing the trade skilling, spending the time doing the PvP matches, all of that stuff. We need to focus more on building content for them to keep them happy. I think when you get in a game... Uh, or as a producer of a game that th- that is this old, you want to you want to be managing and pleasing your loyal fan base because that's where the game stays and is alive, and as vibrant and alive as that population is, the new players will gravitate towards them and use them as the example 
um, or at least the achievement. So that's not necessarily our biggest problem, but certainly what we need to focus on. Yeah, I think it's it's somewhat of a moving target, always trying to address the the spectrum of play styles and and trying to address them all and keep those players engaged. Because, you know, as Ali has said in the past, you know, we see new content uh, and players rip open and they eat the whole bag of chips right off the bat, you know, Uh, and, and to, to address, you know, all those play styles and make sure that there's always something out there for them to do and keep busy with and keep coming back. Yes, it is. You might say it's a problem. It's more or less a challenge. Challenge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think in the past year, I think we did a reasonably good job addressing a wide base, um, you know, from PVP to trade skills to adventurers and so on. And keeping that pace, I mean, you, you saw the amount of the content we put out in the last year. It was a ridiculous amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and that's, you know, we need to remain committed to that because that's what's going to keep people in the game, playing with their friends, playing in their guilds, um, and, and doing and making stuff. Yeah, I certainly do feel a difference. There was a time uh, several years ago where it seemed like the focus was on new players and the loyal players were sort of... Um, you know, leftovers from yesterday. Um, but lately, it really does feel like the existing players are getting more of what they want and that the team is more interested in what we are doing and what we want out of the game and interested in giving that to us. I definitely do feel that. Isn't it nice? It is. It's much nicer than feeling like yesterday's leftovers. Yeah, and it, yeah, that's definitely the commitment for the team because I'm sure you know a lot of them. Um, for some reason in my head, I just keep coming back to the plate of pork chops. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so the team we have right now working on EverQuest, they've been on – most of them have been on the game for a while now. And they are they are in the same boat as the players themselves. So we do play which is the nice thing about this team. There's a lot of other teams where the team doesn't actually play the game they're working on. So we're at least grateful and thankful we have this dedicated group of folks um, like Akil, uh, uh, Lindro, or, or Kander, Kyle, um, uh, and, well, a large group of our designers, uh, certainly, and, and our engineers and artists. They're so devoted and they understand the pain points. And I think that shift has come... And I don't know how long it's been since you felt the change, um, but at least um, that's the focus now is to not worry so much about gaining new players because they'll, they, are, they, they do trickle in um, and they are coming to the game. Um, but I think having a really vibrant, active, loyal base is going to keep them around because I, I remember for myself, you always look at the highest level and how much fun they're having. Uh, and, and that's the goal. You want to get to that level and enjoy all the things they're enjoying. And if they're not happy, then there's no reason for any new players to stay in the game because there's no example, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think for me, the over-focus on the new player experience, um, because we saw so many times entry zones being revamped. How many times has Dark Life Wood been redone, right? <laughs> um, 
And I'm like, well, why are they spending so much time focusing on one through ten? Nobody or one through twenty. Nobody spends that much time. Nobody, right? Nobody, no veteran spends that much time there because they they're looking for the instant max level button to begin with, um, <laughs> you know. And and so the resources are being invested in revamping intro level zones as opposed to uh, designing content for the end player where the veteran is. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. The the focus is better, and the time is better spent on higher level content for what that's worth. So then that leads me to one final question that we have. When's the next expansion coming out? <laughs> January. <laughs> 2014, um, right? Honestly, I, I couldn't, I don't even know at this point. <laughs> um, we're not even thinking that far ahead because we're, we're in a nice position right now where we're in this new business model um, and we've tried a bunch of different things, um, content-wise and release-wise. And, of course, we did just did the expansion. Right. Um, but we don't actually have, like I was saying earlier, what's coming for next year. We don't actually know all that yet other than um, we obviously have a GU coming up that's um, more Velius content. And then beyond that, um, after we – and we're not sure in, in what manner we're going to tie up the Ages End story – um, and then we've got the outlook for the remainder of the year. And honestly, I can't even tell you when that's going to happen or Fair if enough. it's Fair enough. Yeah. I was only kidding, really, you know, uh, no, but seriously, I want to know when and it's title. <laughs> and it's title. <laughs> so, Are you making a joke because we only let you know two weeks before we launch the expansion that we were having an expansion? Um, no, no, not really. Just uh, saying. Okay. I, you know, uh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, it caught me by surprise, you know, and I think a lot of players as well. And, uh, you know, certainly there were a lot of changes this time around with Change of Eternity, uh, an open beta, not an NDA style one that we had been, you know, accustomed to in the past seeing, uh, right. which I think I think was a good thing. Um, yeah. You know, I think more players in there, more players talking about it is sometimes better than trying to put up that uh, wall of silence, that cone of silence that sometimes doesn't even really work anyways. Exactly. Uh, so why not just make it open? Why not let everybody come in and try it out? Yeah, honestly, I think we get better feedback that way in general and more different types of players doing different types of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked really well for us with Sky Shrine and the game updates that it didn't seem logical to not do the same uh, for the expansion content. So that was sort of that was a call I made because it just seemed to make the most sense based on what I'd heard from the team. Letting me know that you know Sky Shrine was very uh, had some amazingly good feedback because it was open mm-hmm. um, on test. Um, so yeah, uh, we're hoping to continue to make those kinds of changes. And yeah, it seemed like keep in mind this is you know for the, I've been producer for about almost a year now. When I first arrived, this is basically my full expansion cycle, uh, and in my experience, I hadn't been aware that previously for past expansions you guys knew you know six months in advance mm-hmm. <laughs> or longer <laughs> um when an expansion was coming um and we certainly knew we were doing one but we didn't have any details so we i didn't see any reason to talk about it in detail um, so- I, I actually liked not knowing because when people know too much that's all they talk about that's all they talk about everybody is just like waiting for that to happen and in the meantime you know they're 
kind of bemoaning the fact that we're still doing all this old content, you know, well, just don't say anything. <laughs> Keep right. us dark. And then it's like a nice little happy surprise when we get, you know, multiple crafting and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I, uh, that's what it felt. And it, honestly, it, this team, it's just been such not really a, a rush in the sense that we've been rushing, but a rush in terms of the intensity of the development going from, you know, Sky Shrine to, to uh, from well from the expansion last year to Sky Shrine, to Kinos to doing sleepers to doing the expansion. You know, it's just been completely crazy. It's hard for me to believe it's been almost a year mm-hmm. uh, because it's just been going from one to the next to the next to the next um, from a production standpoint. But the thread of the expansion has been I, I, like the team's been working on it since January, basically. Uh, in part, so you know, in production, we have a team working at various times on various things in parallel. Um, so it just didn't make sense until it was a fully formed idea, and we'd made all the decisions to even talk about it. Because you're very much you're you're right. If we talked about it too soon, we'd just be saying nothing in answer to all the questions because mm-hmm. we had no answers. Certainly not until a couple of months beforehand, when all the systems have been vetted and and planned out and details about the trade skills have all been argued about and settled on and you know it takes it was nice for the team to have the time to consider these things and do pre-production we call it and we also call it discovery when they start getting into the ideas um, and what code changes need to be made and how those need to be refined and so forth so um, yeah it was a really nice development process but I certainly had no plans to announce it any sooner than we did well, I think too what you avoid is the uh, that a lot of either games or expansions, not necessarily EQ2 expansions, fall into though is the the hype phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where uh, you know when you're in a when you're in that announced development cycle for so long, the hype just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you know launch day comes around and people, well, this is what it is. Uh, this you know this doesn't live up to my expectations because all I've been hearing about is how great it is for. X amount of time, and now right. that it's here, well, it's good, but it'll. Ne- there was no way to obtain to to ascertain to where I wanted to be, where I wanted it to be, uh, based on every article and ad and everything that I've seen about it. M- much like movies, right? Exactly, uh, yeah. And by that time, you've given everything away anyway. There's a, really nothing look, to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, I thought I was a little concerned with the shorter beta window, uh, you know. Right. But I think you know. Things have matured to such a, such a degree that there aren't that many, or at least I don't see them, show-stopping problems that beta is unearthing. Right, right, exactly. And, and by then, people sometimes are so starved for something new to do, they burn themselves out on beta anyways. Exactly. <laughs> and now that they're looking for the Insta button when it is live, because I spent all my time in beta you know, for months. I think some of them were six weeks long mm-hmm. uh, publicly. Yeah. Uh, and to the, the management of who's in, who's not in flagging keys and the, you know all that kind of went away so you were you weren't spending resources on the on the management of it exactly yeah that didn't seem worth our time either you know it, when you cannot guarantee that the people you invite necessarily are going to play mm-hmm. you know and as myself too i i tend to stay away from betas but one because i don't want to spoil it for myself right right uh, I'm, I'm not a good tester because i'm never sure what is working is designed or working as intended versus what is broken, because you know it's a world of fantasy. Well, is that gorilla supposed to one shot me? I don't know. Maybe, 
Uh, <laughs> or do I, or do I more than often not suck to begin with? Um, you know, so it's it's hard to test that sort of stuff in a fantasy world uh, where yeah. you're not really sure of what the mechanics, the intent of the mechanics are. And and again, it's the spoiler. I, I like going through it new the first time, and that's why I think I'm so uh, involved in the quest. I like to read the text and all that on on Delmon on my real character because this is real. This is. Well, it's real as it can get, but this is the real world for Delmon, right? He's right. going through it and, and enjoying it, and, and the story is unfolding to him. He doesn't know what's around that next corner. Exactly, yeah. Somebody is hungry. Uh-oh. <laughs> They're barking at me. All right, so maybe we should start to wrap it up then. So, uh, Winstark, I certainly want to thank you for taking your time out of your schedule to join us here and talk with us about Chains of Eternity and some of the other things uh, going on in the world of EQ2 and Norath. I'm always happy to, anytime. Uh, so let's also say thank you to this week's corporate sponsor, uh, Cape Wind, uh, Energy for Life. As we all know, wind power is a great source of uh, renewable uh, green energy alley. I'm, I'm sure you are all experienced in things that blow. There, there's a perfect example of it. So how can they reach us, Allie? Well, they can send us an email. I'm at Allie at EQ2Talk.com. And I'm Delmon at eq 2 talk at EQ2Talk.com. Uh, they can reach us in game, EQ2.unrest.alicious, A-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S. And I'm EQ2.unrest.delmon, D-E-L-L-M-O-N. Or you can join our in-game chat channel, EQ2.unrest.eq2talk. Or you can check us out over on our Facebook page where we are facebook.com slash EQ2Talk, and we would love if you would like us. Or follow us on Twitter at EQ2Talk. Thank you, everyone. Uh, again, thank you to Windstalker. We hope to see you all back here for episode 56. And as this might be our last episode before the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday, Allie, say gobble, gobble, Allie. <laughs> gobble, gobble, Allie.